On this episode of Narcissist Apocalypse, we talk with an abuse survivor named Alma about her toxic relationship with the future faking con man. It's a story of grand gestures, elaborate scenes, victim playing, and constant little lies. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. This is a podcast that gives a voice to survivors of toxic relationships. I am Brandon Chadwick, but my friends call me Chad, and thanks for tuning in to this episode. So what is a narcissist, you may ask? Well, for the purposes of this podcast, we refer to a narcissist as anyone who has displayed a pattern of behavior that shows a limited capacity to appreciate others' perspectives. It is that simple. Now, if you want to be part of our show, please do go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. At the top of the page, there's a button that says Guest Form. Click on that button, and away we will go from there. And if you want to be on our show in a different way, to be part of our Letters to My Narcissist compilation episode by reading a letter yourself, go to our website at NarcissistApocalypse.com. On the side of the page, there's a button that says Send Voicemail. Press that button, and it records up to five minutes. Press it twice, records up to ten. We are, we are accumulating these letters for our Volume 6 of that episode. And if you do not want to read the letter yourself and you want me, or my old pal Melissa, who we haven't heard from in a while. Hey, Melissa, to read the letter, to read the letter, to read the letter for you. Please just send it to narcissist at a. Ah, oh man, I'm having a bad day. Please just send it to narcissistapocalypse at gmail.com and put letters to my narcissist in the subject line. And. You know, everyone, we have a Patreon. Our Patreon is, is like our community board. And there you can listen to episodes that uh, have never made it to air, episodes of former guests and more. We have our own support form on there as well. And we have virtual support groups every Wednesday and Saturday. And that's between 9 and 11 p.m. Eastern time. So if you want to support the show, go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash NarcissistApocalypse. Another way to support our show is to become a sponsor of our show. Our groups, our support services, they are paid for on a shoestring budget. So supporting our show and becoming a sponsor helps us with our support services and to also reach a larger audience. Sponsoring an episode of this podcast is a way to make a really big difference and you'll be helping thousands of survivors. So please do consider sponsoring our show. And our episode this week was sponsored or is sponsored by JJ. And a plain old thank you is not big enough for how much we need to thank JJ. Words cannot do my thank you justice. Your generosity has blown my mind and we'll be building this community stronger thanks to you. So a big thank you from me and everyone listening. You've helped change so many people's lives and just a huge, huge, huge thank you. So 
you know, if you want to be uh, like JJ and you want to sponsor next week's episode or multiple episodes, we set up a payment on our Patreon at patreon.com slash Narcissist Apocalypse, and you'll get a special big shout out and a thank you at the beginning of each episode. And if you don't want to go through our Patreon, please email me at NarcissistApocalypse at gmail.com for alternatives. And now we are going to start our show. This episode with Alma is... Interesting. It's not like uh, other episodes in a certain way. There's no uh, devaluation or anything kind of going on. This is a true like con person, and they and they really wanted to keep that facade kind of going up, and didn't want the uh, flow of whatever was how Alma was helping them to stop monetarily in uh, all these other ways. So a big thank you to Alma who, who didn't consider her story uh, worthy of being on, on the show, but every story is worthy. And a big thank you to Alma for, for, for doing the show. And now without further ado, here is my episode with Alma. Welcome to Narcissist Apocalypse, everyone. With me today, I have Alma. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Did I say it properly, Alma? Yes, sir. You sure did. It's Alma in Spanish for soul in English. All right. Well, thank you for being here today. And unfortunately, you are here. You know, you have been, I guess, a serial um, dater or relationship person with uh, someone who is an abuser, is, is uh, you know, in, on the narcissistic spectrum of some sort. And, you know, you're here to share your knowledge, your story. And, you know, thank you for being here. Unfortunately, you're here, but you are. And I know you're going to help a lot of people. So... Without further ado, Alma, the floor is now yours. Yes, thank you. So first of all, thanks, Chad, for this. I appreciate the opportunity to have kind of this discussion. Um, I found you about three weeks ago, and I have been listening to one episode after the other um, because I've obviously hooked, um, got hooked with the topic um, since I am um, one of these uh, people that um, attracts one narcissist after another. And um, a lot of the women on the podcast have been amazing. Um, they don't realize this, but they've helped so many people. And so that's what motivated me to kind of reach out to you because I wanted to also be one of those that within my story, um, maybe I could help someone. So I'll start with a little bit about myself. Um, I am 51 years old. I have a 26-year-old daughter. I My family background is I'm the middle child. I have four brothers, um, and uh, my dad was a narcissist. Actually, just recently, I've realized um, after listening to this podcast, um, I've actually put a label on what my dad was. And so um, I was able to, to see my dad in so many of these stories and realize maybe why it is that I um, am, um, what's the word I'm looking for, um, attract these type of men. And um, realizing also that my four brothers um, 
are a bit narcissistic themselves. And so being the only girl, I was surrounded by this type of behavior my whole life. So um, at a young age, at 20, I got married, and I was married for 21 years. Um, I won't talk much about that relationship because I do have a child. Um, She's 26, but um, that is her father. Uh, Moving on from the 21 years of marriage, I uh, got divorced, and uh, I attracted my first narcissist. And he's not the one that I'm going to speak of today, Um, but throughout um, listening to all the podcasts uh, stories, I realized my the the levels of narcissism that I've been exposed to have not been anything in comparison to some of these women on here. I guess I should be thankful because I some of these stories that I've heard through your podcast are just make your skin crawl. And, um, I'm just thankful that, that, that it hasn't, um, I haven't seen that and I hope to never see that, but, um, I guess the levels of narcissism are, are, um, there's so many levels of them. Uh, and because of your podcast, I've, I've realized that the, of the differences between those, um, nonetheless, uh, you know, I, uh, have, uh, was exposed to my first narcissist and, um, and then another and, and then, uh, another. And so, as I mentioned to my daughter, um, a few days ago that I was going to record this podcast with you, she says, well, mom, which, uh, which one are you going to discuss uh, tomorrow. And I said, so I told her, um, which narc I was going to be discussing. And she says, Oh my gosh, this last one you dated, he is the worst, but I, I don't think I'm ready to to talk about that one specifically. Cause I think I'm trying to kind of sort it all out and, and trying to kind of, um, balance myself out of that relationship. But with the one that I'm going to discuss uh, with today, I felt like I have dealt with a lot of the issues that transpired and also um, that I've healed from that. If if that sounds okay, I don't know. Obviously if I attracted another, I don't know if necessarily healed is the right word, but I did get out of that one. And I guess the point of this story is that there is an out and you just have to be brave and be strong enough. So, um, okay. So after that, so, call is sorry. Due, so uh-huh. just one second. So let's just say here that you uh, had three different narcissistic partners and we're going to talk about number two today. We are going to talk about number three today. Oh, so you had four narcissistic partners and we're going to talk about number three today. Yeah. So keep All in right. mind, I, I was raised in a Hispanic household. I was, um, uh, raised to believe I was going to get married once and be married forever with this one person. And that was my philosophy too. I was going to be that person. I was going to grow old with this man and have grandchildren and all those things. So after my marriage, I never thought I would move on to one man, a second man, a third man, or a fourth man. That was not my plan for myself at all. My plan was to have you know, as, uh, as initially I said, to be the, with this one person, but it didn't happen. And so, yes, um, this is the uh, third, third narcissist in my life. Um, so I met him um, through a mutual friend. Um, 
my friend and I have, uh, we've been acquainted, well, we've been friends since we were in middle school. She's been in my life for 30 plus years. And um, she was in town visiting. And so she says, um, hey, I'm in town. Uh, We're going to get together at my sister's house. I'd like for you to come. And I was like, great. I can't wait to see you guys. You know, this is like a a, a fam. um, Her family was my family. We just kind of all grew up together, hung out. And so... I went to their house and she says, Hey, do you remember? Um, I guess we're, I'm going to call him Sal. Um, Hey, do you remember Sal? And I was like, no, I don't remember. And she's like, he looked right up the street. He used to hang out all the time. And I was like, no, I, I, I don't recall. And she says, well, he's coming tonight. And you know, he's recently single. And, and, um, so I was like, Oh, okay. I was really not too interested because I had just in May prior, um, had, gotten out of a relationship and this was now July and I was like done. I was just completely decided I was just going to take a a long break and, and just get to be me again. I get to find myself again. And so um, shortly thereafter, he shows up to the party and he walks in with the, you know, cheesecake factory. Uh, uh, um, It's a, it's a restaurant here in, in Texas. And, And um, the minute he walked in, he walked in with such confidence and he was just so excited to bring us this cake. And, and um, so immediately I was attracted to him just by his confidence, the way he carried himself. Um, I just immediately uh, was tuned in. So, um, we're sitting there having dinner. We introduce, you know, he uh, gets introduced to everyone, um, comes around and, you know, says hello to me. I could totally tell the, the, when he shook my hand, I, I felt this energy that was just a lightning bolt, um, feeling. And so I was like, oh my gosh, that, that was shocking. And, um, so that was that. Um, as the night progresses, um, my friend says, um, where did Sal go? And so we're all looking for Sal, and Sal is nowhere to be found. And so um, we look outside. His car's gone. She calls him, and he's apparently left the party, didn't tell anyone he was leaving. And that was that. I remember sitting at the dining table thinking, Oh gosh, you know, he's gone. I really wanted to get to know him better. Like I wanted to impress him. Um, and, um, darn it, he's gone. Oh, well, you know, you, you win some, you lose some kind of thing. And so he left the night went on and the party was over. I said goodbye to everyone. Um, about a week later, I get a text from, my uh, friend's sister, which that night we were at her home at her house. And so she says, um, she sends me a message via Facebook and she says, Hey, she says, Sal reached out to me today and wanted to get your number. And um, she says, uh, he asked me about you and, and I just wanted to make sure it was okay for me to give him your number. And um, I said, yeah, that's fine. She goes, well, here's his number in case you want to, text him 
And so I was like, oh, you know, I'm just so old fashioned and I'm just like not the one to be the chaser. Um, and so I was like, I don't know if I'll reach out to him. If he's interested, he'll, you know, just kind of reach out to me. And I wasn't ready at that time. I, I mean, I knew that I felt that initial energy between us, but I just, I, I don't think I had closed the past relationship to be able to move on to another. So, um, sure enough, she gave him my number. Um, and within minutes after that, he began texting. And so we began just kind of getting to know each other via texting. Um, uh, he has, uh, was a military man. Um, he kind of checked off all the boxes, like actually every single box almost that I had. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but you know, at the age of 47, you have these boxes, right? You, you want to trade up, not trade down. And so I kind of, in my mind had already sorted, um, you know, what I wanted and what I didn't want. So what are, what are those wants? Um, pretty much someone stable, someone who had, um, you know, a career who was intelligent, who was articulate, who was chivalry was huge for me. Like I'm, like I said, I'm old fashioned. I grew up with four brothers and even though they were narcissistic and still are, um, they were very, um, chivalrous to, well, to me, I mean, I was the girl and I was spoiled and, you know, they did these things for me. Um, and so I just kind of grew up, you know, being treated that way. So um, chivalry was important. Um, I wanted to, uh, a person that was sociable that could just, because I'm very social. I'm, I'm in, you know, I have friends from all walks of life, you know, all colors, sizes and shapes. And um, I want someone that's going to, you know, fit into to, to my life. And so um, I noticed uh, with him initially that day when I met him, he was very social at the party. And he was just like, hey, nice to meet you. Just so super confident. So anyway, he checked that off. Um, he he was just well-versed in, in life. He, he traveled, um, he served in the military for 20 something years. And so, uh, to me, I associated his, um, years of service with automatically assumed that he was a man of his word. Uh, that was important. Remember I'm a Hispanic household, a man of his word and that he was, um, uh, loyal and that he was truthful because, you know, being an, uh, an officer or not an officer, he was a chief in the Navy. Um, you are expected to have, you know, uh, to be these things and, you know, in the Navy's coat of arms, I think it's, what is it? Loyalty and all those things. And I thought, okay, well, he's been in the Navy 20 something years. He's all these things. And then some, so I was like, you know, perfect. So, um, anyway, um, so we, like I said, we, we started getting to know each other and via texting. Um, and so, um, I, I know this sounds kind of strange, but one of the things I always asked, um, was if it's just being silly, I guess, through conversation is, do you have a, a, a pocket knife in your 
uh, pocket. And uh, that's important to me. A man who carries a pocket knife, I don't know. It's just my own thing. It sounds kind of silly. But if you carry a pocket knife, I know that you are a utilitarian, right? And so um, he did. He carried a pocket knife. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Okay. So we go on um, and conversing and everything. And he's like, hey, I, I really want to come out to your house. I, I you know, I let's do dinner. Let me, cause I lived kind of outside of San Antonio. Um, and, um, so he says, let me drive out to you. And he's like, have you cooked dinner? And I said, no, I haven't cooked dinner. My daughter, um, is not home yet. And, um, he's like, well, you know what, let me bring you guys some food. And I was like, oh my gosh. Um, in the past relationships I've had, I've never allowed them to come to my home just because that was my daughter and it was our home. It was hers and my, um, safe zone, if you will. Um, the previous man I had dated, um, I dated him for three years and he had only come to my house to count it a few times. So, um, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not ready for this, but there was just such a connection with him that I was like, you know what? My daughter's just going to have to get used to the fact that I'm, you know, looking for my partner and that I want to be happy and have a companion in my life. And you know what? She's getting older. She's engaged now. She knows that, you know, mom's going to have to move on. She's moving out and, you know, mom has to now establish her life. And so I told my daughter, I said, you know, um, he's coming over, he's bringing over pizza. And she says, okay, it's, it'll be interesting to, to meet him. So, Sure enough, he shows up and he has everything, you know, the pizza, dessert, I mean, everything that we could possibly think of. He has this spread for it. And keep in mind, I had just met him two days prior. So he comes, um, we have a good time. My daughter and my son and my, at, at that time, it was her fiance, met him. And and so um he came in and, and, and when he introduced himself, um, he just kind of uh, introduced himself as a, you know, hi, I'm, you know, chief Sal and my son-in-law who is a, also Navy, um, CB, um, was, you know, impressed obviously because he was in, in higher ranks within the military. So, um, all night long during dinner, he kept emphasizing how he, like to be referred to as chief. And so um, my son-in-law kind of was, even though my son-in-law was in his early 20s, he's an old soul. Uh, so is my daughter. And so they're very, very mature for their age. And actually, sometimes they can be somewhat of a parent to me um, uh, rather than the other way around, just because they're just so solid in, in who they are. And so anyway, my son-in-law right away just kind of, I could tell just by their body language that they were just not having that connection with him. But I sure was. So I was smitten. Um, I was highly impressed with the fact that he wanted to impress my kids. And I refer to my kids as my daughter and my son-in-law because I only have one child. So I was highly impressed that he, because that was important to me. It was important to me that um, my uh, this person uh, that I was looking for to be a grandfather one day, to be that stepdad, you know, even though my kids are grown, um, still to have that type of influence in their lives was important to me, not only for myself or my personal, um, 
uh, check boxes, but also to be that person. And so, um, I was trying really hard to make that whole situation work to where they clicked on the first, um, meet. So, um, I could tell by their body language, they didn't. So I kind of was trying to finish up the night and I said, okay, well, so I walked him outside and I thought it was so funny because I didn't know what kind of car he drove and he drove this fancy Camaro and, um, his license plate uh, was personalized and it said cruising. And I found that funny because he was 50 and I cruising, like I thought, okay, well that's kind of odd. Um, but you know, everyone has their little quirks, whatever. So he left and I I have a question for you. Uh-huh. You know, here, just kind of at the beginning, you know, this guy's clicking all of your boxes. Yes. And you have this rule uh, about the meeting your, your family and, you know, having having someone over. You break that rule. You're not aware that you – well, you're aware that you broke the rule, but you're not aware that maybe that wasn't a great idea. And now you have this guy who wants to be called chief. Your uh, kids have a weird feeling about him. Don't say anything, but you can tell. And Mm -hmm. now you have this license plate. A guy in his (laughs) 50s with a license plate that says cruising. And Mm -hmm. he also wants to be called chief. Uh And, And, you know, right there you have, you know, you're passing it off as, and, and rightly so, because we have no idea that this is happening. But he, he, you're passing it off as, you know, he, you know, this he's a person. He has multiple types of things that could be going on as far as personality. You know, he could be, you know, he's a, a guy who is sociable. So in a weird way, it's 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 not strange, but at the same time, it is strange because it is a contradiction of. Um, both personalities. Yes. A guy that wants to be called chief, but at the same time has a license plate that says cruising. It's not, you know, right there. You just, it's an odd thing. It's an odd thing. (laughs) It was was so odd. Keep in mind the relationship I had just gotten out of, as I mentioned earlier, I hadn't even allowed him to come to my house. Keep in mind, I was with him for three years and him and my daughter had developed an unbelievable relationship there towards the end. Um, but I could tell in that relationship, it was going to get to where he would be physically abusive. And I decided to walk out when I did. And, um, at that moment, after I left that relationship, uh, there was so many things that I did wrong, um, that we both did wrong. Um, but I thought, you know, any new relationship, I'm going to handle it completely different. Like, Uh, my past relationship, he didn't get to meet my daughter until after a year that we had been dating. And that was one of the big things that he uh, struggled with. And I decided, you know, with moving forward, my next relationship, no, it's going to be very important that my kids meet him right away that I, you know, and so I just, for, because I I just, you don't know how to navigate, right? personalities are so different um, that I just knew that I was going to have to do things differently. And so I did. And, and whether it was 
um, my gut was telling me don't like he was pushing me to come over that one night and, and I had my hair in a bun and I didn't even have any makeup on. And I was just not ready for him to come over, but he kept insisting. And I was like, okay, fine. Come on over. And so, um, he, uh, so yes, the license plate, he takes off and he kind of peels out of my driveway with his cruising license plate. So, um, as he's leaving, you know, he's calling me and just kind of, um, how wonderful my kids are and how my home is just absolutely perfect and how he noticed that, um, my home was a home that it was, um, lived in and that my stove was used that I cook and, and I'm that mother. And, and, you know, I just, I just, all the things that he's looking for. And so I was super excited. Oh my God, this guy likes me. Um, he's perfect. I absolutely was just enthralled in this, his conversation, um, his life experiences. I mean, he was just put, laying it on thick. Keep in mind, he was trying to impress my kids as well as trying to impress me. So he leaves. He continues to then um, the next day. It's it's the constant good morning, um, all these things. Um, and then he says to me, hey, do you like football? Honestly, do I like football? No, I like the social part of football uh, where I gather with my friends and cook for them and, you know, do the whole food spread. I love that piece of football. But um, do I know the game? Absolutely not. I haven't been able to understand it my whole life. I mean, I'm not going to start to understand it now. And so he says, hey, um, I really want to go watch a Dallas Cowboy game. And I was like, oh, my God, I heard the field is amazing. Is it field? No, the stadium. He says, um, you know, I said, I hear the stadium's amazing. Um, he's like, you want to go to a, a Dallas game? And I was like, absolutely. So because he worked for an airline, um, he was able to travel for free. And because he traveled for free, um, he was able to get all these points at these um, hotels and, uh, you know, just resorts, things like that. So he says, um, uh, we can book a flight, we'll go to Dallas, and we'll stay in a hotel, and um, we'll just make a weekend out of it. Oh, my God. I was thrilled. I was like, oh, my God, he loves to travel. He has this ability to to just get up and go and do all this. Keep in mind, I'm able to, too, because I'm seeing, obviously, I'm my daughter's older. She's getting married. I don't have anybody to answer to anymore. So I'm like, okay, this even sounds even more enticing. Like, oh my God, this is my dreams coming true. Thank, I'm thanking God, you know. Thank you so much for bringing this man into my life. Like, I could see that we're going to, con- you know, connect. So I said, okay, well, let's go. He says, you know what? What's your address? He's like, I'm FedExing the the uh, cowboy tickets to you now to your office. And he's like, wait for them. They should arrive tomorrow. Blah blah blah. And I was like, okay. Sure enough, the tickets arrive at my office, and I'm super excited. Everyone's wondering what's going on. I'm telling all my office mates, oh, my God, I met this guy, and guess what? We're flying to Dallas, and and we're going to go watch a Dallas Cowboy game. So the game comes, and we um, fly out there. It was magical. Um, We danced in the streets. We watched a game. He was a chivalrous beyond what my... uh, 
I could ever even imagine. Um, and, and keep in mind, this was probably a week after we had um, met each other. And I was just so unsure because I knew what that entailed, you know, staying in a hotel, um, you know, doing all those things. And I, I told him I wasn't ready for any of that. Um, I made him, um, you know, understand that I wanted a room with two beds and I was going to sleep in my own bed and, you know, and, you know, just kind of try to set my boundaries. Well, um, went to Dallas, did our thing, had the most amazing time. Um, so we get back and, um, he then begins to continue to love bomb me just, um, how amazing I am, how beautiful I am, how I'm just a complete package and how, um, he's just, I'm everything that he's been looking for. And, and I'm just like feeling ecstatic about it. I'm just like, wow, like I'm that good, you know? Um, so he says to me, um, because I'm a good cook, I'm trying to now impress him. They always say, right impress a man through his stomach and well that's what we latinas believe anyway so um then i began to just cook these meals and i would drive them to to his place of employment and and just have dinner with him in the car and and um so this was now the second weekend and um so i started doing that pretty much um not every day but every other day and i was uh taking him meals and um cuz i was trying to impress him too and so one day he says um hey I, I have to work tomorrow but i want you to he takes out his wallet from his pocket and keep in mind i'm very independent i have uh, been raised to be this you know just do for myself work hard play hard um but never ask anybody for anything. That's just how my mom raised me. So um, even when I was married, I was still, you know, it was whatever I needed to do to do what needed to be done. I did it for my family. And so I never relied on anybody for anything my whole life. Um, and so I'm still this person. I'm, you know, and he says, um, uh, I'm working tomorrow, but I really want to give you something. And I said, okay. And so he takes out his wallet and he hands me $200. And he says, I want you to go shopping. Like you've been doing all this stuff and you've been bringing me meals. And I just want you to spoil yourself for once. And I was like, okay. So um, as we're getting to know each other, I realized, um, you know, I, I asked him, I said, how long have you been divorced? Um, well, I've been divorced a year. So where do you live? Um, where are you staying? Um, and he's like, well, I'm staying, um, with a wounded warrior. Um, I kind of, uh, met this guy through a wounded warrior support group and he lived alone and, and, um, so I asked if maybe he needed a roommate because I just had nowhere to stay. And um, he said, so he took me in and I was like, oh, okay. So you're paying rent. And he's like, yeah, I'm paying him rent. And I was like, okay, well, that works for you. So I kept noticing that I would see him in the same outfits over and over again, just kind of, be he kind of alternated between, you know, three shirts and two pairs of pants. And, and I was like, okay. 
So I guess his wife, um, and this is kind of what he made me believe that his wife had kind of just, um, told him to leave. And so, um, uh, so just to clarify to- for everyone here, you know, he has been, he has the car that says cruising. He's able to travel easily and he's have, has all these points because of he working for an airline. So there's this kind of life of luxury, but the opposite side is that he is living with another person, another man. He has a roommate. Um, and you know, you are also noticing that he doesn't have that many clothes and you're chalking it up to that. Uh, he had to leave his household, uh, quickly because of his divorce. Um, so one side of him is spending money and looking like he has a lot of money. And then his other side is showing that he, he doesn't, um, and you're, you know, convinced that he does, or he at least truthful about it because of the circumstances told you. Yes. Um, yes. So yes to all those things. And so I'm like, Oh my God, this is horrible. How could she have just kicked him out? You know, he's worked his whole life. You know, he's a military man. He's, you know, done so many tours and, Oh, how could she be so cruel? Anyway, so I'm I'm assuming all these things because of the stories that he's been feeding me. So um, anyway, um, so he gives me the two hundred dollars, and he says I get off at eleven tonight. So um, is it okay for me to come over after I get off work? I said, sure. Call me. Let me know, um, and I'll let you know how my day went, and 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 uh, we'll we'll plan it from there. So I go to the mall and because I am a very giving person, this has just been, been me my whole life. I've always been a giver. I've always been, um, uh, the lifeline for everyone. Um, if someone needs something, I'm the person to call. I'm the person to calm the situation, just kind of to be that shock absorber for everyone. That's been my role my whole life. So I, grab the money and I'm just like, okay. So I go to the mall and I start shopping for him. I buy him pants. I buy him shirts. I buy him socks and underwear. And I'm thinking, you know, um, you know, just he, he deserves to, to look nice. He has an important job at, at, at where he works and he can't be wearing the same outfit over and over again. So, that night he comes over and I was like, um, Hey, I've got a surprise for you. I'm so excited that you're here. And Oh my God, look, which I bought you. And I got you these pants, try them on. And so he's having this fashion show for me. And, and because I'm wanting him to feel good, you know, he served our country for 20 years. I'm, I'm, you know, doing my part and, and, and appreciating what he's done and, and, um, all these things. And he's like super ecstatic that, um, I had bought all these things for him and he says, you know, you just passed the test. And I was like, oh, there was a test. And he was like, yeah, I wanted to see what you were going to do with that money. I wanted to see if you were going to spend it on yourself or, what you were going to do with it. And I said, well, that's just not who I am. I mean, I make my own money. I don't need your money for anything. Um, so I can buy my own things. I have my whole life. And so I surely don't expect you to come in and do that for me. I don't need you to come in and save me. 
So, um, then that happened. And so I, you know, obviously the love bombing continues. He then begins to adorn me with all this Navy stuff. Like I was some prize of, I just, you know, a lapel and a lanyard and, you know, a Navy hat and a Navy shirt and, you know, just everything. He wanted everyone around me to know that he was, you know, kind of labeling me, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word to say, but, um, so I was being supportive. It's whatever made him happy. I was going to be his biggest cheerleader and that he was never going to feel less of a man or less of a person when he was around me because I've always been that uplifter. I'm always the one to say, you got this. You can do this, baby. You got it. Whatever. I'm there right there for you, whatever it takes. So um, he picked up on that right away and he knew that I was going to go whichever direction that he went. Keep in mind, um, he was, I had felt the most comfortable with him. I felt um, like I was for once in a relationship where um, I was going to be able to be me and have the discussions and have uh, a voice to be able to disagree um, to agree to disagree and just be able to have those healthy discussions that I felt like I never did. I mean, that relation, it just was so easy, so easy. And I had never felt that before. So, um, when you talk about that line, what, 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 what's the term that you use? Hook, line, and sinker mm-hmm. um, was uh, because we were able to have those discussions and, and, and disagree and, 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 and agree and, 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 and then also be on the same, um, have the same mindset. But the hook, line, and sinker was, you know, three weeks into our relationship, he says, um, you know, my mom passed away many years ago and um, she always wished for a woman like you in my life. And I want to, I, I'm so sad that she'll never get to meet you. And um, he says, uh, I'd like for us to go to her gravesite if you're okay with that. And I said, oh, absolutely. Whatever you need, um, I'll be there. And he's like, I've just been, she's been weighing very heavily on me. And, and I just, um, I, I want to take you and i said absolutely we go to the cemetery um he gets on one knee and he's crying at the gravesite and i'm feeling horribly bad because i still have my mother i'm blessed to still have my mom and um i just my heart went out to him and i was just you know rubbing and trying to comfort him and it, it it's okay and you know i wish i would have done that and i wish i would have done this for my mom and on and on and on and so he's again on one knee and he's telling his mom how um you know he's thanking her for for bringing me into his life and how he's just so grateful and that he knows that she did this that it's because of her that i have now come into his life and so I'm just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, he's talking to his mom about me. And, and yes, it must be, you know, a blessing from heaven that here we are meeting each other. And this is perfect. And so we do our thing there. We, we get up, move on. 
And so then, um, because I, uh, visit my mom on a weekly basis, uh, my mom lives about 45 minutes from, from where I live. And so, um, I try to, you know, do weekly visits, kind of an all day visit with my mom. And I said to him, which the irony was that we grew up on the same side of town. And so his mom was buried in uh, a cemetery that's really close by my mother's house. So we made it a pact that every time we would go visit my mom, we would stop by and visit his mom. And because it wasn't fair that I would go spend, you know, the day with my mom and he couldn't. So, um, he says, uh, so I said, well, we'll stop by, have a little, you know, we'll take our chairs and, and sit and, and chit chat with mom. So then we decided it was an ideal of mine and that we um, take a little box um, and we buried it by her headstone. And, you know, we would write her messages and, you know, stick them in this little box by her headstone. And so every time um, if he needed to go there and, you know, vent about something or ask for something or, or tell her a story that he could write it down, kind of like a journal type. And we would just stick it in that box uh, there. So he, we did that. He, he, you know, bought all the little utensils and we dug out the little hole in, by the cemetery. And so then we be, began to practice that little ritual. And so I thought, you know, it, it, it just strengthens us. Um, it strengthens our relationship, his relationship with his mom, because he was feeling very guilty that he was gone for so long while he was in the military. And so um, I thought, okay, this, this is healing for him. So moving forward, um, I'm like, okay, I'm in love with this man. Like I could totally feel like the feelings uh, I was feeling were just intensifying. Keep in mind, three days in, he was already telling me that he loved me. We had stopped by to, at, a, at a gas station one day and, and we're pumping gas and he opens the car door and he gets on one knee and he professes his love to me. And this is probably five days in. And I thought, okay, this is really odd. And my gut right there, red flag, but I was just, just enamored with him that I just ignored those red flags. So, so three weeks in here, everything has moved super fast. You've already been yes. told that, you know, he loves you. You've already gone on a vacation with him. Yes. Uh, stayed in the same hotel room as him, even though nothing happened. And he's already, you know, introduced you to his mother, even though she's passed away. And one of the most grand gestures you can think of, you know, to seal the deal with you right here. I mean, that is pretty. I don't know what happens in the rest of the story, but it's pretty elaborate kind of there. And, you know, the red flags that are that might be there, you've noticed a couple weird things, but everything else is so powerful, you know, you're giving the benefit of the doubt in the situation. And, you know, now you are, you know, really at this point, uh, anything can happen. You're in. Yes, I'm feeling it. I am feeling it. And I am. It's everything I've ever dreamed of everything. Um, but to, to just kind of go, uh, 
um, rewind a little bit. No, my boundaries weren't respected uh, at our first trip, but I really don't want to go into that detail because if my daughter or my son-in-law ever listened to this, I just, I don't want to get, get into that. But so okay. no, those, um, no, they uh, weren't okay. uh, respected. And he's so, also he's also a victim player as well in 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 this beginning part, but that you also don't really notice that that's what's going on. No, no, because I, I'm just blinded by all this, Chad. I like I said, I'm enamored because this is the life that I could foresee traveling. Oh my gosh, she works for an airline. I'm going to get up. I'm going to have a a bag ready every, you know, just ready to just get up and go whenever he says so. And this is everything I've just ever wanted. But anyway, so, um, so yes, that happens. And so I'm like, okay, hook, line and sinker. He's introduced to his mom. Um, well, in this way and which is to us that is a sacred right this is a sacred thing you take someone to a a grave site with you to your parents grave site um it's huge so i'm like okay i'm in so at this point i'm like okay um my social life is still going on um my friends want to meet him because everyone just sees I'm so happy. I'm like different. I'm smiling again. I am just, just so happy. And I'm like, okay. So my friends say, Hey, you know, I have a, a friend that's um, a, a male. Um, he's been my friend for uh, a platonic um, male who's been my friend for gosh, almost 30 years. And he's um, been my um counselor all these years (laughs) and um so i owe him tons of money right but um he never collects but um he says hey i need to meet this guy i'm like okay so we make a a a breakfast date um uh my friend comes uh, brings his wife um and we have a breakfast meet and greet he was perfect. Oh my God. They shook hands. They, you know, pretty much chest bumped because they were both Dallas Cowboy fans. Um, um, Sal had his best, um, he was just humorous and charming beyond what you could think. I mean, beyond. And my friends, uh, this particular set of friends was just loved him, loved him. Uh, he sealed the deal with them when he gets up and goes and pays for the whole bill. And he's like, my friend was like, love the guy. He's a keeper. So we get that one out of the way. And he, you know, he gives me a stamp of approval. Of course, you know, we were there for an hour. Um, Sal, you know, put on his best suit and um, they loved him. So, uh, I do have a very, like I said, social life. So I, I get together with my girlfriends at least, you know, at this time, twice a month. This was before COVID. Twice a month, we do wine, we do plays, we go, you know, just all over the place. And so we had already bought some tickets to go to this play. And he, so I mentioned to him, I was not going to see him that night because I was getting together with my girlfriends. So he says, um, oh, what are you girls doing after? And I said, well, you know, my, one of my friends is married. And um, I said, well, he's dropping us off at the play. And, of course, he's picking us up because he knows we like to drink. And so he always makes sure that um, we get dropped off and picked up. And he says, well, I don't mind, you know, dropping off and picking up. You just let me know what you need. And I'm thinking, another checkbox. Yay. 
you know, um, he's going to be there at my beck and call, um, when I do these nights out with my girls. I mean, that's all I've ever wanted is to have that kind of support system. So, um, anyway, the girls are like, no, we already have this planned. We're just going to meet at, you know, Luddy's house. We're just going to meet at Luddy's house and, um, he could just come over then. And sure enough, I mean, he was there waiting for us in the parking lot when we got back after the play. And I knew that um, when he walked in, of course, he introduces himself and he says, you know, I'm, um, I'm, you know, I've been in the military 20 years and I'm, you know, a Navy uh, chief, blah, blah, blah. And this is how he introduces himself to the whole crowd. There was about 15 of us in the home. And, um, my friend's, uh, husband had, um, always prepared meals for us so that when, when, when we got home, we always, um, had something to eat cause we had the munchies or whatever. And so, um, of course, then he comes out and meets him and they shake hands. And, uh, again, he introduces himself as, you know, you know, being in the military for 20 years and he's a chief and da, da, da. And, so I knew, I just, because I know these people, they've been in my life for so long, I can always tell, you know, their body language. So I knew right then and there that he rubbed uh, my friend Letty's husband the wrong way. Like I knew, and it was so important to me that they get along because these are my friends that I that I hang out with pretty much, you know, every other weekend or um, our families have been in, in each other's lives for 30 years. And it was important that they like my guy. And so... Um, and when he came in that way, I knew, I knew. And then I thought, you know, Mike is an, an alpha male. Um, uh, Sal is an alpha male, uh, beyond. And I thought these two alpha males are just not going to get along. So sure enough, um, I could tell the total disconnect from my friend's husband and I felt very uncomfortable because I could just feel it. No one was comfortable anymore at this point because, he just, Sal just made everybody feel uneasy with just his presence, I guess. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, let's go. So we ended up leaving. Um, so uh, after that, he then began to whisk me away. Um, so obviously I didn't have the stamp of approval from them, but because they loved me, they accepted it. They had knew that I was happy and they would see us traveling. I mean, we went to San Diego. He took me all over San Diego. I mean, it was the most glorious trip um, to every single beach in San Diego. He, you know, drew a heart in the sand with I love you in, in, in the center. Um, it was, you know, he took me to dinner and we sat at a rooftop bar and just enjoyed this amazing view um, now he, there was a lot of financial exploitation going on, um, because I, you know, able to pay for a lot of things on my own. I really didn't need him to, but I'm, I was also the believer of, you know, we can go the, we can do, we can go Dutch or you pay one time I pay the next or, um, uh, but I found myself picking up the tab on a lot of those things. So, um, even though they were extravagant things, um, or, or things to do, um, I found myself, um, reaching for the wallet when the bill came. 
So um, I guess he felt because I got to fly there for free and got to stay there for free at the hotel that I needed to pick up, um, you know, on all the tabs. And for a while there, I was like, okay, well, yeah, you know what? That makes sense. He, you know, I'm getting, I'm getting here for free. Um, I'm doing this. And, and, and because of, of all his um, um, uh, perks, I guess. So um, on that trip to San Diego, he says, hey, um, ship so-and-so is on dock. He says, let me go out there and see if we can get a tour on the ship. So we walk up to the entrance, um, I'm, you know, and he introduces himself. I'm Chief Sal, blah, 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 blah. And, um, oh, yes, Chief. Yes, Chief. And he's like, I, I'd like to see if I can get a personal tour. Is the captain on here? Blah, blah, blah. Keep in mind, this is a month in. We've already taken two trips. A month in San Diego. And the trip of my life I had never been. And now we're here at this, in front of this humongous um, ship, Navy ship, and he is getting us a personal tour on this ship. So we get um, two of the young, oh, I don't know, enlistees, I don't know what you call them. Um, And sure enough, we get a tour I have pictures, glorious pictures of us being on, on, on this ship where the helo, uh, the, the, on the helipad and we're watching the sunset and he's expressing his love to me, how much he just absolutely loves me. And this is just perfect. And, and I'm just thinking how dreamy this is, how dreamy this is. So we go on and, um, the trip ends, we come back, um, we keep getting invited to some of the other outings with friends and, um, he's just not getting along with the guys at all. No one likes him. Um, he picks up on that. So the next time we get invited, he says, well, you know what? I'm going to take some liquor. His brother worked at a liquor store, so he constantly got free liquor bottles. So he started bringing the guys liquor bottles. So then he started kind of warming up to the guys. Hey, and you bring liquor. Hey, anybody loves you, right? So he kind of started trying to, you know, trick them, manipulating them into liking him. So um, then, you know, he starts getting a little bit more accepted. Um, as this continues to go on, I'm... He's meeting me for lunch every day. Um, he's a big, big, big eater. Um, I'm picking up the tabs pretty much every day at lunch. Um, I then, um, he starts spending the night more often at my house. I'm feeling a little bit uneasy, but he kind of just pushes himself on us. My daughter's uneasy. Um, my son-in-law's a bit uneasy, but I continue to just you know, say, Hey, you know what? You guys are getting married. I'm a grown woman. Let me live my life. Like I need to start, you know, just living my life and, 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 uh, moving on. And so, uh, again, the trips continue. So on one occasion he says, um, uh, he says to me, I'm going to have to fly to, to Dallas because, um, they want to do an article on me. Uh, Hispanic magazine wants to do an article on me because it was uh, Veterans Day was was coming along and they wanted to do an article. 
So I said, okay. He says, so I'm going to go ahead and leave my car at my friend's um, apartment and, um, uh, and I'll be there. I'm going to fly it down and then I'll do the interview and then I'll fly back and, and, um, I'll be in touch. And I said, okay, sounds good. So he went, did his interview. He sent me pictures of himself in his uniform and them doing the, the interview. And uh, he says, you know, they chose me and, you know, they, they sought me out, uh, come to find out later. No, he was the one reaching out to them saying, Hey, here's my story. I would be a good candidate for you to publicize my story on, in your magazine. Um, but anyway, so he goes and, um, he calls me and says to me, Hey, I'm back in town. He says, but something horrible has happened. And I was like, what, what's happened? And he says, well, my car's been stolen. And I was like, what? And he says, yeah, I left it at the apartment and, and all of it, it's just gone. And so we're assuming it's stolen. I was like, well, are you sure? I said, you know, was it repoed? Have you been making your payments? I mean, I just, you know, started asking all these questions and I was like, well, you know, whatever. Um, I said, I'm coming to get you. Um, and so, um, I go get him and, uh, so I'm feeling really bad, you know, because now he doesn't have a vehicle and, and I happen to have two cars, um, and, um, so he says, uh, oh, how, you know, what am I going to do? Like I, I live over here and, and I don't know how to get around. And, and so I said, well, you know what, don't worry about it, cell. You can borrow one of my vehicles. And because I do home health, um, I work with the geriatric population. Um, I travel a lot. So I have a little beat up car that, you know, I just add my miles to, and I have my luxury car that I take out on weekends. And I said, well, you can take the, my little home health car. I said, it's good on my, on, on gas and everything. And with, for all the miles that you drive, um, you know, back and forth to work. And he was like, no, how about if I just use your other car? And I was like, okay, yeah, you know what? That's fine. Go ahead and, and, and take it. So um, he comes down for lunch the next day and we're sitting at the restaurant and he's like, hey, um, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, and he's just giving me sob story after sob story. And, um, he says to me, um, I don't know how I'm going to be able to get another car because, um, you know, my credit's not all that good, you know, because of my divorce and everything. And, and, um, let me backtrack a little bit before that he was already futurizing, um, just saying, you know, how he could see, you know, our lives together and how I could be his wife and, and how he, we could just be so happily married forever. And, and so he had already put it in my, in my, um, my psyche, I guess that, that this was going to happen in the near future. So as we're sitting here at lunch and we're discussing this uh, car problem, um, I start thinking, well, you know what, we're eventually going to end up getting married. He's going to be my husband. And I'm thinking all of this in my head. I'm just going to help him. Like I'll go and finance the vehicle for him. So we, I said, you know what? I said, let me help you. I said, um, I'll, uh, let's go to the dealerships and start looking for a vehicle for you. And, um, I'll just, um, take it out on, on, under my name. And then you just make the payments. I said, are you able to do that? And he was like, um, 
yeah, he's like, you know, let me figure out what my insurance is going to do. But yeah, that would be great if, if, if I could do that, if you could do that for me. Yes, I'll, I'll sign whatever you want me to. We can, you know, do a contract, whatever that, oh, uh, whatever you need. And I was like, no, we don't need to do that. I have your word, right? Because remember, the word is important to me. So it's like, you have my word. I'll make the payments. I'll be the one responsible. So we started going to dealerships and I said, you know what? I want you to keep it within, you know, twelve dollars to $15,000, not more than that. And so we start looking around and he starts looking at these highly expensive vehicles. And he's like, well, I was thinking if I buy one of these, it'll probably break down. It won't last me for long. And so I was just thinking, why don't we just, you know, get a newer vehicle? And, and, um, I promised that, you know, I'll pay for it. And, and um, I was like, okay, all right, I'll do that. So sure enough, I go to the bank. I get a cashier's check for $42,000. I said, um, whatever it is that you need, um, we'll get it done. And keep in mind, I'm way smarter than this. I know better. Like I am, you know, but what I realized listening to her podcast is it's not about being smart right? It's not about whether you know better or uh, it's not about your intelligence. It's about just how they manipulate you to believe that, you know, they're going to give you the life that you've been wanting your whole life. So you you have been set up here very mm -hmm. well. Yes. And at the beginning, there were red flags at the beginning, you know, boundaries were crossed and you know, he tested boundaries, even his test, he even said it out loud. And this was a test to see how, what you would do uh, when he gave you that money. He's been showing you one thing where in reality, oh, I don't know the extent of it yet, or we all don't know, only you do right now, of really his real situation. And, you know, you have bought into this future that he's now promising you. Uh, he's everything he, on paper. He is a million bucks. Uh, you know, he's in, in in reality. You know, he is up there. You know, the the biggest red flags uh, are, are your friends and, and your and your child and your child's uh, husband uh, who uh, were repelled by him and. Um, you know, they're, they're still, they're happy for you, but you know, you're being set up pretty good here. And now here is a, um, a move you're making that, you know, you know, we're what two months in. Yes. Two months months in. in. So I was going to ask you this question, you know, besides the, the future, you know, that you're, you're being given, how much is guilt playing into this move? Guilt as far as, well, you know, feeling, just feeling, you know, his victim playing, like you're feeling bad about like where he is, his wife, he's in the situation, you know, you know, oh, uh, you know, I don't want the car to break down on me. You feel guilty. Oh, this car might break down on him. Yeah. You know, yes. like oh, he's, he's he's kind of he's really needling in on, you know, you offered an inch. He just asked for a mile. Yes, absolutely. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, 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 here and, is, and it's the guilt, I think, that might be driving it. I'm not. That's why I'm asking you. Yes. And here's my way 
of appreciating someone who has given his life for his country. This is me doing my civic duty of, of, of helping a disabled uh, uh, veteran, you know, a disabled retiree um, who, um, you know, has done so much for, for us, for me, for my family, because he's been out there serving. And the least I could do is help him, help him. A little, you know, what's $42,000, you know, obviously he had given me his word. He was going to pay for it all. So I believed him because he was a man um, of service and he was a man who stood for this code of honor, you know, and I had no, no, at that point, no reason to doubt him. His, my friend and her family had known him his whole life. Okay, how much more um, confirmation did I need that this was a decent human being? So this was me doing my civic duty, me giving back. And, um, you know, why not? I was falling in love with him. I was he was going to give me the life that I so wanted, not financially, not materialistically, but fulfill me in ways that I had never felt fulfilled before, whether it be conversation, whether it be traveling, whether it be the chivalrous manners. Um, I mean, I could tell you things that you'd just be shocked at what he did for me. And other girls would be jealous listening to my story. Um, And so I was just, like I said, enamored by everything that he did. And um, so I've got like a little outline here that I'm kind of going by. So uh, I'm sorry. So I I did notice he he struggled with insecurities a lot. And so um, because he had as a child suffered from polio. So he had a, a, um, a limp to to his left leg and his left leg was smaller than uh, his right leg so he had this limp and I have scars from uh, some surgeries and that was another thing that bonded us was that um, because I have so many body image issues that he has body image issues but he felt so free with me and so therefore I felt free with him because he was imperfect and so was I guess what I have scars and you have a small leg and we just bonded. That was another reason why it was like, I loved him with his, you know, um, skinny leg and limp. I don't know if this sounds horribly bad, but, um, and he loved me with my scars. And so we, like I said, we bonded. And um, so anyway, he suffered with insecurities. And so anywhere I went, he wanted to be there right with me. And so every year, because of my job, I take an annual um, uh, course in Houston, and it's an administrator's conference that I go um, to. And so um, uh, this was before the 4th of July. This was, so all of this was before September. Okay. All of this that I've told you, the trips that we've taken, um, all of that has, that was before September. So his, um, then becomes August, then comes August. I had a trip scheduled with my girlfriends to a winery in, in, Fredericks, in Fredericksburg. One question, and, you know, uh-huh. just one question before we just remember winery before, before, uh, Fredericton, um, uh-huh. football season starts in September. Yes. So you went to see a football, like a preseason game. 
It was a preseason game. Okay, yes. okay. Just because yes. I'm going to get it's, questions about it. Yes, and I if if I don't, yes, it had to be have been a preseason game okay. because I remember it was very soon after we started talking that he FedExed me some tickets. Okay. Yes, and so I promise you, I'm not lying. <laughs> oh, I know, but sometimes people send me emails, and then I just so they don't send me emails. Be you know, we'll just answer the question before it happens. Yes, yes, yes. Good point. Good catch. And so, um, uh, so uh, anyway, uh, so then what happened? Oh, so this is in this was before his birthday. Yes, I, as I recall, because I'm going to Fredericksburg with my girlfriends, and I'm like, I'm going to be gone the whole day, but you know, we'll be in touch. I'll text you. He says, Well, before you go out, I'd really like to get to see you and give you a hug and a kiss and just wish you well. I was like, Well, we're at the HEB out here by blah blah blah. If you want to come, um, we're here. And so picking up some things, last minute things. So he shows up in the parking lot and I'm like, oh my God, he really does love me. Like he wants to see me. How sweet is this? He wants to, um, you know, just wish me well. And, and so he does, he shows up, meets my other girlfriends. They don't really get a good vibe from him either. Um, and of course the whole trip, they're talking to me about this and I'm just like, you guys don't know, like all the stuff he does behind closed doors, the things that he says, like, give him a chance. Like, I know he comes across a little rough or a little, um, what's the word conceited, I guess, is, for lack of a better word, mm-hmm. uh, full, full of himself, I guess. Um, uh, cause at that time I really wasn't familiar with the word narcissist, uh, that term I wasn't familiar with it at all and so I was like just give him a chance because I'm you know I'm that person who gives people 10 15 20 different chances my whole life so I was like just give him a break so we go to Fredericksburg do our thing and so uh, come back check in with him hey I'm back we had a great time and then he ghosts me he disappears I text him. He doesn't respond. Um, I'm not a seeker at all. I was just dumbfounded. How? This was going perfectly. Like, all of this was everything. You know, we had just gone to San Diego. We had done this. And it was just, you know, dreaming. Everything that we've been through. We've danced on the streets, you know, with the moonlight. And what happened? Like, oh, my God, I must have really upset him. So after two, two texts that I sent him and one phone call, he never responded. I just was like, okay, this is it. I'm done. I'm not going to be, you know, seeking him out. Um, it's over. Heartbroken. I'm heartbroken. I'm like, well, it's better now than later. Right. So where I, so then keep in mind, we still hadn't uh, bought the truck yet because we were still kind of in the, in the talks about it. And so we hadn't really made that purchase yet. So his birthday was in September. So right before his birthday, he reaches out to me and he says to me, I was like, Oh my gosh, you're back. Where did you go? Like, where have you been? And he was like, well, you know, my son and I, um, my son was having a really hard time with me moving on. And I finally had a discussion with my son because my son asked me, well, what do you want for your birthday, dad? And he said, well, I I just want to be happy, son. And he said, okay, dad, be happy. And he says, well, I met this woman and I'm, you know, I really like her. And he was like, um, 
And then his son pretty much gave him the blessing. So he's like, I, I really want to pursue this. You know, you're wonderful and blah, blah, blah. And so then I then forgave him and I gave him another chance. So soon thereafter, like as soon as all of that happened, um, he slowly started moving in. And as soon as he, uh, we reconciled um, after that ghosting period, um, soon thereafter, we went and um, bought his $42,000 truck. And um, he was super excited. Um, and so he was, you know, driving around um, in his new fancy truck and letting his son drive and just showing off, showing off and showing off to my friends. And so um, approaching came the holidays. And so there was still some more traveling going on that we were doing. We had gone to Tennessee because he loved to gamble. We had gone to Colorado. Again, just these trips of a lifetime. Keep in mind, I had always been a, um, when I was married, we really didn't do a lot of traveling. And so I was just being introduced to traveling through him. Um, and so we did more traveling. And so, um, on one occasion, my brother says to me, uh, Hey, I really like to meet this guy. Like I, I hear so much about him. And I said, you know what? It's a good idea. Let me get the family together. You guys need to come and, um, you know, have dinner. Uh, let's, you know, meet him. So, I um, organized a dinner with my family and him and my kids. They come over and my brother's uh, pretty harsh. Like he's going to just come out and just say how it is. And so he met him and he says, so what are your intentions with my sister? And he was like, your sister's amazing. And, you know, saying all these wonderful things about me. And, you know, I, I could see us, you know, uh, forming a future together and, eventually getting married. And, and, um, so my brother then was like, okay, I like the answers to, to all of that. So we sit down for dinner and everyone's talking and he brings out his, this coin bag full of coins. And I guess everywhere he's traveled, he's collected these Navy coins, I guess there it's not money. Uh, it's just some type of coins. I, I, I can't, I, I don't know what they're called. So he starts telling us each story about how he acquired these coins. Now, my brother's kind of like me. We're very, we believe in people. We trust people. Uh, my This particular brother is um, kind of like my soul sibling. So him and I are very, very similar. And um, so him and I are just sitting at the table, just listening to these um, stories and just taken aback by, wow, these stories that this man has, right? So my daughter and my son-in-law are sitting there and I could see my son-in-law looking at my daughter and rolling his eyes like, oh my gosh, whatever. So dinner's about to be done. And um, then he says, um, and he says, and I saved the best story for last. He says, um, I got to, um, he says, I got to ride back. Um, he says, well, y'all know what, when Ben Lawton was killed, he said, I was able to, I was on that boat that brought him back to the United States. And so my son-in-law looks at me and I'm just like, oh my God, Sal, that is um, like, who, I mean, who, I mean, who, who's, who's has the opportunity to, to have that experience? Like, 
how does this happen? And so then my brother is just like even more, you know, just in, in involved in, in the conversation and is just super impressed by this story. So that was the end of the night. And I was like, well, that's the icing on the cake. Wow. Thank you so much for your service. I'm praising him. My brother's praising him. My, my daughter and my son-in-law are like, no way, no how. My, my son-in-law refused to ever refer to him as chief, even though because he was Navy, you, you know, you tend to do respect your, the, the, the officers, but my son-in-law refused to do that. So, um, that was basically uh, through the holidays. So, um, we got to then our, you know, our relationship continues to flourish in, in that particular December, he pretty much moves in without being asked to move in. He brings his one trash bag of clothes that I had bought him and of whatever he had left and pretty much moved in. My daughter was super uncomfortable. Her and her, her fiance already had a place. So my daughter ended up, um, staying more frequently over at her fiance's uh, house because she was just so uncomfortable that he was here. And I, I've always put my daughter first her whole life. I have put her first in every aspect of any decision I've ever made, but with him, I was not putting her first. So I allowed him to swindle his way in. So she ends up actually end up, ends up moving out. She's not upset with me or anything. She does have a sit down with me and says, mom, I understand you need to move on with your life and I, I just need to accept it. So I'm going to let you, you know, do your thing and I'm going to go ahead and just move out. And so she did. And, and I was okay with it. Otherwise I would have been devastated if he wouldn't have been there. I would have been devastated. My daughter was leaving. Oh my God. But because I had this companionship now, I was, you know, okay with it. So where I started noticing um, even more things that were coming um, that were just a a red flash, red flashing lights, red flashing lights um, was we went to, um, because like I said, I have a variety of friends uh, constantly getting invited to different occasions. Uh, We got invited to um, a bar and um, we went and had a wonderful time. A lot of his coworkers were there. And I invited one of my girlfriends with her boyfriend to come uh, with me because I didn't know any of the people there. Of course, I'd make friends with anybody. My mom always says I can make, um, you know, a dead person talk. So um, I, uh, you know, I didn't feel uncomfortable being there with people I didn't know, but I invited my friends. Well, he disappeared uh, while we were there in, at the bar. And keep in mind, I was surrounded by nothing but his coworkers. And I'm like, where did he go? And so I'm asking my girlfriend, did you see where he went? And she's like, I think I saw him go outside. So I reach over and, and his, I, I see him come back in and he comes back in and he goes off and, and starts telling my friend Sandra and, and her boyfriend how he just wakes up every day to just tries to figure out how he's just going to put a smile on my face. That is his goal every single day when he wakes up is how am I going to make Alma smile? Like, how am I going to do this? And so, of course, I'm looking at my friend Sandra and her boyfriend, and he's rolling his eyes like, really, dude? Like, how fake is this? Like, this doesn't even sound real. 
So he noticed, obviously, that disconnect, uh, you know, um, and he then gets up again and walks outside. Again, I noticed he's gone for another 30 minutes. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go find him. So I go around, and he is like, you can just picture this. He's sitting outside with one of his legs on top of the table and, you know, just his, his arms crossed. And he has one of the young ladies that he works with sitting on the chair where he's obviously uh, towering over her looking down at her keep in mind he's five four five five not really tall but he's sitting on the table and he's just and she is gazing at him and uh, so I glanced out and I'm like hey what are you doing I'm, we're all in here like why are you out here and she's like oh he's just telling me his stories about you know when he served and da 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 and so she's just, like I said, gazing over him. And she's m- much younger than we both are. So he's like, I'll be in in just a minute. So at this point, I'm irritated. I'm not the jealous type at all. I, I'm the type of person that likes to be all-inclusive. Whether Because I have this friendship with a male person, I know that there's relationships that can be had that, you know, can be platonic. So I know all this. And so I'm like, okay, this just did not feel good to me. So at that point, right then and there, that occasion, I realized, okay, there's something wrong here. Like I, I, I felt it in my gut. Like I, I so we leave the bar. Um, I didn't really talk to him very much that night. He was very upset with me because I um, uh, embarrassed him in front of people. And um, so on our way back, he was pretty much scolding me. Um, you know, like I am, you know. Chief Sal. I mean, I'm not saying that that's what he said, but that was just kind of his persona. Um, he went into that, you know, I'm Chief Sal. Like, I am a man of honor and a man of my word. Like, how could you even think that I'm flirting with anybody? So he leaves. 30 minutes later, he comes back and we we hash it out. Obviously, he realized that, you know, he had this truck. It was under my name. There was going to be, you know, repercussions for this. So he comes back in. We work it out. Um, we continue to then, you know, mingle with our friends, whoever was at this point inviting us to come. Because at this point, the invites were getting less and less and less. My kids really didn't want to hang out. But I begged my daughter to just please be a little bit more accepting. He's just different, but he's so good to me. Like, I'm happy. Can't you see? You know, I'm living my best life. Like, I'm, I'm you know traveling and you know they see my pictures on Facebook and all these experiences I was having and my daughter was like you know had a conversation with her fiance and said you know we need to just be accepting you know my mom's happy so he says to me um he starts getting more serious and um he then says you know I would really like to consider you know getting married and he's like but you know I don't have any money to buy you a ring and I want you to have a bigger ring than what my wife has ex-wife has and um I was like okay and he's like so do you think that you can finance the ring for me and I'll just make the payments and he's like um and so I'm just like oh my gosh I don't know how I feel about this you know we've already got this loan for the truck and and now you want me to finance this ring and keep in mind it was like I was thinking oh my god that ring is for me I'm gonna get to keep it if I if something goes wrong I'll just keep the the the, the ring so um I said, well, you know, uh, he says, well, I'd really like to talk to your daughter about this first. And, and, um, and so I was like, okay. 
So he says, you know, I need to meet up with your daughter so we can have dinner and I can ask for your hand and, um, and, you know, have that discussion with her. And I said, okay, well, you know, here's her number. You can text her and, you know, y'all can make those arrangements. I said, but, um, uh, he says, okay. He says, well, I want my brother to come over so we can have that discussion with my brother and his wife as well. And so I was like, okay. So they came over and they were outside barbecuing him and his brother and his sister-in-law and I were in the kitchen. And so she says, so everything's going good. And I was like, oh my God, I'm the happiest. She's like, I see y'all traveling all over the place. Y'all look really happy. Y'all look like y'all are just a match made in heaven. And I was just, um, uh, you know, agreeing with her about all this. And she says, so let me ask you a question. She says, did he ever get divorced? And I was like, what? And she was like, yeah, did his divorce ever come through? And I was like, uh... He told me he's been divorced for over a year. And she was like, uh, mm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, um, I should just stay out of this. And I thought, oh my gosh, really? So uh, the night continued. Of course, I didn't approach him then. We ate dinner with his brother and his sister-in-law. Um, they left. I said, hey, your sister-in-law made a funny comment to me today. And I, it just kind of threw me for a loop. She asked me if you heard your divorce had gone through. And he was like, yeah, yeah, uh-huh, it's gone through. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay, so when was it final? And so he couldn't really answer me. So I went to bed that night and I was just like feeling really uneasy with everything. And I was just like, oh, my God, this just doesn't seem right. So the next morning, um, uh, I asked him, I said, you know what, Sal, I'm not feeling comfortable with what's just transpired, your sister-in-law, what she said, um, it's just left me very uneasy. I said, I want you to show me your divorce decree. I want to see, um, your divorce uh, arrangement, your, uh, within regards to custody, within regards to all those things. I said, because if we're going to be getting married, I need to know where you stand financially. Um, because you know, my finances are good. Like I'm stable. My credit is good. I'm super stable. And I just do not want to get myself into any type of situation without at least knowing about it. And he's like, okay, I'll get you the, the, the divorce decree. So days went on. He never showed up. He was deflecting. He was added me to his travel card and, and added me to, you know, um, Southwest Airlines to where I could just travel anytime I wanted to. I didn't even need to be with him anymore. Um, I could just walk up to the counter and say, my name is so-and-so and I need a ticket. And um, so he was deflecting. And so then I forgot about it. I forgot about it. And I said, okay, um, you know, he's making everything so easy for me. And, and I just, you know, did what he did. And um, so that was that. And so come to find out months later, he was not divorced. He was still married and he and I had been already living together for six months at this point. So then I mentioned to him that, oh, my God, I've been living with a married man. This is, goes totally against everything I've been, I've, I, uh, everything that, that, that I am, my values, uh, everything. I just can't believe you've done this to me. So then he um, so, calls for divorce. Sorry, one question. I guess, you know, he's not divorced. What's his relationship like with his wife at that time? 
So I would hear them. Um, she would call on occasion because they had one son together and he was 15 at the time. And I would call them. I mean, he would call. Uh, I never spoke with her ever. Um, I did get to meet his son um, uh, on one occasion. Uh, and so he, they would have discussions, very heavy discussions online. And um, so anyway, I was like, uh, yeah, this is going on. So then um, he says to me, uh, oh, so he says, yes, uh, so-and-so just called and this is what's going on with my son. And so I disagree with her. And so I would kind of have those discussions with him about, um, you know, how to just work with, with, with her and how I explained to him how me and my ex um, were parents first and we were um, div, uh, exes second. It was always about my daughter and making her priority and making her life stable. And um, it was not about him and her. It was about their son. So I was always doing that, that, that talking to the giving of advice and all those things. And so um, he was just always bad mouthing her, how she was just this uh, woman in um, the devil in sheep's clothing is what he would call her. And, um, so, and, and how did you find out that they were still married? Because, uh, so one morning he jumps out of bed and, um, I normally don't get up for work until about seven thirty cause I don't go into almost nine. So he literally catapults out of bed and he's like, Oh my God, I have an appointment. I have an appointment and Oh my God, I should have been there by blah, 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 blah. And so. I'm helping him get dressed. I'm ironing his clothes really quick as he's jumping in the shower and I'm getting him dressed. And I'm like, what's going on? What appointment do you have? Like, he's like, literally, this is how I'm speaking in that tone. Uh, just what's going on? Like, this is kind of what we're doing, running around the house, trying to get him ready and out the door to go to this appointment. So come to find out later that that was his divorce, um, his final divorce hearing. So how I found out that they were still married was when he did finally, because I then remembered, oh, my God, you never brought me this paperwork. I need to see it. He brings me this um, divorce decree, and it was dated May the 12th, like days prior. And so I was like, hey, this divorce decree says that you were just divorced like days prior. And he was like, no, we had to go in there and, and, and re um negotiate some something so it's got a different date and so he begins to tell me about this different date and and so I start flipping through the divorce decree and I'm like no this is not a different date this is the date that you actually got divorced and I'm like why did you lie to me and so it was just the constant little lies so at that point I'm just like oh my gosh okay so I was like I'm so, you know, so he never really came clean. He stuck to his, he stuck to his story. Um, and then I just kind of brushed it under the rug. You know, everything was great. Um, he was now divorced. Like, what did it matter now? I had already, you know, been, been uh, living with a married man for six months. Like, there was nothing I could do to change it. So I'm just like, okay, let me just brush it off and just move on. Let's just move on from here. So then um, we continued, um, you know, obviously there was a couple of days where we just, I, you know, I didn't feel good about it. And, but keep in mind, I mean, it was everything that I dreamed of outside of these little hiccups, um, quote unquote. And um, so we moved on from that and his birthday was coming up. That was when in May. 
then July 4th came about and we were getting together with all our friends at the lake. And, um, so we go, we had a great time. He felt a little bit more inclusive at that gathering. Cause there's so many people there and had a great time. Um, that night we drive home and we're having a deep discussion on the drive home. We get home, jump in the shower, get out. And he's on one bend. He's on his bended knee proposing. Keep in mind, we already had the ring because we had already bought the ring. I had a friend who was a jeweler and he gave us a really good deal on this ring. So I basically handed him $14,000 cash. I basically gave Sal the $14,000 because I didn't want uh, my friend to know that I was handing this man who was going to be my husband $14,000 of my money. So I gave it to him in the parking lot. We walked in, we got the ring. So anyway, in July 4th is uh, the night he proposed. And he had already met with my daughter days prior um, before he had decided to do this, except I didn't know about it. So um, my daughter agreed. She's like, I've never seen my mom so happy. Yes, I wish you the best. And so he proposed. And of course I said, yes. So this was in July. We were happily engaged July, the end of July, August. His birthday was in September. He he had told me he had never really been thrown a birthday party because he was deployed all those years. He never really got to enjoy a birthday cake. He never really got to be around his family enjoying, um, you know, his birthday. So I realized throughout this last year that he had no friends, really. He didn't have any friends. So I had tons of friends to share, tons of them. So I, um, I then began to, obviously we shared my, I shared my friends. And so at this party, I was a surprise party for him. And, um, at the end he ended up finding out that I was planning a surprise party. So it wasn't really a surprise, but all my friends showed up. Everyone was super happy that I was happy and I was engaged. Everybody wanted the best life for me even though all of them felt this, um, this from him. Of course, I didn't find out till later. Nobody wanted to really tell me. So um, all my friends showed up with the best dish prepared. The best dish that everybody um, brought was their best dish they prepared for this uh, party for him. My ex-husband's best friend cooked the, um, the brisket for me even. My, you know, it was just, they were friends and they wanted me to be happy. And so I invited his brother to come and his brother never showed up. I made uh, perfect cupcakes uh, with our pictures on it. Everything that you could think of. Everybody embraced him. Everybody was just made him feel at home and just, you know, everybody, it was the perfect birthday party, but he had not one person there. These were all my friends. So um, that was then. Um, then um, after that, um, I realized, uh, you know, this was just going to be our life. You know, people are, were just going to have to accept him because he was going to be my husband. So um, he convinced me to get mutual phone plans. And this will come uh, as to how everything ends at the end. So I decided to... Yes, let's combine our phone plans. So we did. And it kind of solidified everything, our relationship, I guess, that we were doing something um, together. So he ended up getting his phone. And um, one weekend he says, hey, uh, I'm going to go to Kickapoo with the guys. And um, 
are you okay with that? And I was like, absolutely. I go out with my girlfriends. You go do a guy's trip. Have fun. Like, really enjoy yourself. Well, I had come down with the flu. And um, the night before, I was running fever. And I was just not feeling well. Well, that morning, he got up. And he was ready to go. And keep in mind, he was always very thoughtful and very caring for me. And um, But yet, I was, you know, sick with the flu and you know how you get you just feel like you're dying when you have the flu and I couldn't believe that he was still going to go on this trip and so sure enough um he oh and for backtrack a little bit for his 50th birthday um present when we went to the jeweler um to go get my ring he looked at some of the watches that were displayed and he loved one of the tag Heuer watches And he was like, I absolutely love that watch. And, oh, my God, I would love to have it. If I had the money, I would buy it. For his 50th birthday party, guess what I bought him? The Ted Hoyer watch. And so it was a surprise for him. So on his birthday, I gave him that. Well, anyway, so moving, um, fast-forwarding again to his trip to Kickapoo, he wanted to make sure he had his Tag Heuer watch on, he had his nicest outfits. Keep in mind, throughout the year, I had bought him more clothes and filled his closet pretty much with more items. And um, so he goes to Kickapoo. All of a sudden, I can't get a hold of him. His phone is completely turned off. And I'm like, oh, my God, he was diabetic. So I would set up his insulin syringes. I would set up his medication. I would make sure he ate properly. I mean, I was taking care of my man. Like, he was not going to do without. He was going to be treated like the chief that he deserved to be treated like, you know. So um, he, I could get a hold of him. So I thought, well, maybe his battery died. Oh, my God. Then I started panicking. Oh, my God. What if, you know, he's got... Um, an insulin attack, something. I said, you know what? Let me go online, look at his um, phone history and see who the last person it was that he called. And maybe I can find out the number to the guys that he's with and maybe reach out to them that way. So I start looking through the phone call log and I see all these numbers, same number all throughout the day. Keep in mind, he worked the second shift. So he was always at work from three to 11. And he would call this person every day after I left to work. And then throughout the whole day, this number was called. Well, that was the last number he called. So, of course, you know, I'm like flabbergasted because I'm thinking, here's this honorable man. He can't be. There's no way. He is um, stands for something. He's been in the service for 20 years. So I called the number and it's, a female and um i asked who that was i didn't say anything back and she just told me her name and i didn't say anything i was not going to get into a discussion with her over the phone um but it sounded like there was a lot of commotion going on in the background and um he was going to a gambling casino and that's kind of what i distinguished i um kind of i heard like a lot of gambling going on in the background So I knew at that moment that he was with her. And so um, he pretty much all weekend, I couldn't get a hold of him. Uh, He, on his way back, he calls, he finally turns his phone on. He says, honey, I'm on my way back. I said, okay, I'll see you soon. Um, And so basically, 
that's what happened. And he says to me, I will, I, you're too important to me. She means nothing. Um, I was with the guys, but she came along because, you know, we all work together. And, um, but there's nothing there, really, I promise. And um, I believed him. I believed him. So kind of brushed that under the rug, continued our life um, as normal. And I said, okay, but I want you to promise me one thing. Um, If we are going to move forward, um, unless you bring her around and she's your friend and we get to go have dinners with her and her husband or we get to hang out and I'm involved in y'all's friendship, I'm okay with that. Just like you're involved with my friendship with my guy friend, then I'm okay with this. And he's like, okay, yes, we'll set up a lunch meeting. Well, that never happened. So a month went by and um, I, did, I told myself I was not going to look at his phone call log anymore. I was just not going to do my, that to myself. I was too happy. We were going to be okay. We were going to make it and it was going to be fine. I was just going to have to adapt to this friendship and adjust his boundaries. So, of course, one day I, um, he calls me and he's at some place, random place. And, um, he's at some random place and sure enough, I look at his call log and again, all her numbers were there. Um, he never stopped talking to her. They were obviously having a sexual relationship and he came home that, uh, he was home that day. I drove straight from work, drove to my house. And I basically said to him, um, I prayed all the way home. God, please give me the strength to stand up for myself for once. Like, give me the strength to not be okay with this behavior. I will not tolerate it. I drive down the driveway. He's out on the, he's talking on the phone, smoking a cigarette. And basically I walked inside the house and I said, you are leaving. I packed that, grabbed garbage bags and I threw all his stuff in garbage bags. I said, that's exactly what you are is garbage. So I pretty much threw everything in his garbage bags. I loaded up everything that I possibly could as he watched me. Um, And um, we drove and I said, where do I dump you? Because you have nowhere to go. And he said, take me to the Home Depot at so-and-so. My friend's going to come by and pick me up there. Drove there and he said, can you let me keep the truck for another week or two until I find other transportation? I said, absolutely not. I almost did, Chad. I almost let him keep the truck. Uh, but God gave me the strength to say no way. Cause you know what? For a minute, I felt sorry for him and I drove up to the home Depot and I was so proud of myself. I unloaded everything by myself and I left him at the home Depot parking lot and drove away. And did you ever hear from him again? So I blocked his number. I blocked him on Facebook. I said, we'll never put myself through this again. Um, I went through some extreme heartbreak because I was, this was the dream relationship I had wanted my whole entire life outside of when everything started, obviously the lies and the down spiraling. Um, I heard from him a year later. He reached out to me at work. And he says, um, will you ever wear that ring again? And I said, absolutely not. And I hung up and I have never heard from him again, outside of the fact that my friend reached out to me here uh, the other day and said he had borrowed $300 from her and never paid her back. So, um, 
you know, I, I hear some of the stories on here and see how women were physically abused and mistreated and, and just horrible, horrible things. And I listen to my story and it's not comparable to any of those, what those women have been through. But I'll tell you the heartbreak that I felt at the end of this, how distraught I was, how I was literally having to, I found myself scraping myself off the floor after this relationship, um, that it was just as intense. So, you know, you're, you're, you're comparing, which isn't a fair thing to do. I mean, you were promised this future and you were love bombed and you really believed that, you know, even though these little things are happening, you believed your, your, your strongest belief here was the belief of character and that, that a man like this from the way, you know, being vouched for where he came from more so than any other thing, plus the future, you know, you were, it was hard to shake. So, you know, to come to the realization that you were conned, and, yes. and used, yes. um, and, and, and then, you know, kind of thinking about what was taken, how did you go about, uh, grieving, uh, th- this and dealing with, uh, shame, uh, you know, cause that's the biggest thing for people who are conned is, you know, the, the shame, uh, that, that is attached to it. And, yes. you know, there's a documentary that I always like to bring up, which is called Dirty John, which uh, there, there's obviously a series as well. Yes, but there was I've, also, I've listened to that. There was, there was a documentary. Yes. And the I've one thing about that. that documentary, cause it was a very entertaining documentary. The one yes. thing, as I, I've told the story many times, my opinion of this is the one thing it didn't do well was that it didn't tell the uh personality you didn't say like how the person bought into this and why would they put up with this and you know we know your personality we know what type of person you are you know we know everything we know why you did so for 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 you are you able to kind of or were you able to kind of break those things down and understand that and, and and how did that process go So I think the most shame I felt was that I tolerated some of the behaviors. For instance, uh, uh, there was one little story I left out. Um, You know, uh, they were doing a hot sauce contest at his work uh, place of employment. And my mom makes the best hot sauces in the world. Like, oh, my God, you just lick your fingers with her hot sauce. So she, he had asked her if she would make um, a green hot sauce and a red hot sauce. And he took it to work and they both won first place. So she had gotten $75 for each um, hot sauce that she entered or he entered because he entered. My mom just did it as a favor for him. I think the part that shames uh, that I felt the shame, most shame in, it was the fact that when he won those, that award, the, the $150, which was nothing, I could have given my mom that $150 with no thought. I, but the fact that he didn't even give them to her, that was he won that. Mm-hmm. So he kept it. And the fact that I let him treat my mom that way, the fact that I let him um, stare at my daughter as she walked away inappropriately and I caught him every single time, the fact that never in a million years would I ever allow anybody to disrespect my mom or my daughter, but I allowed him. That's where I feel the shame. That's where I feel the shame. That's where I felt like, how could you have allowed this to happen? You know, but, um, and so, and, and feeling guilty 
that I put my family through some of the things that I put them through, uh, my friends through some of the, the, the situations that I put them through. Absolutely. But my friends are so forgiving that they've been nothing but supportive since day one. I, I remember being distraught, just driving home that day after Home Depot and just crying and sobbing like a baby because I just felt like a death. Mm. It, like I, it was just a death that I had just gone through. I lost the love of my life. So, and and for the people who are listening, who might think to themselves, "Well, this isn't the same as as the other stories." There's no, you know, there's not a lot of devaluing going on. There's not a lot of like you know all, all these kind of things no. that might put you in a place. But for this specific type of person who is in, in the real con man uh, type of person, you know, this person for their ruse to keep going, they're on their best behavior. Um, you know, they, they want that, you know, they want that lifestyle to keep on going. They want to freeload as as much as possible. So they're not going to do anything to jeopardize that on the, on the front end, obviously on the back end, you know, he's doing whatever he's cheating and doing that, but on the front end, he's not going to jeopardize that. So that kind of devaluation and putting you kind of through that um, every single day, uh, you know, as what a lot of the stories we hear, that's not going to happen in the situation because he needs this to continue as long as possible. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to clarify that for people who might be wondering. And and I think it was, it was, I think it was also all the lies that he told. I mean, he had the most brilliant disguise on. Have you heard that song from Bruce Springsteen, Brilliant Disguise? No. I remember I listened to that song over and over um, because it was, he was dressed in a brilliant disguise. And I remember hearing that song over and over again because it was just like I, I needed to realize that this was, uh, this was, he wasn't real. He, he was just not real. And, um, uh, it was just, um, he played the best part acting part of his life. I remember when I confronted him about this whole gambling thing and, and he, we stayed up all night having this discussion and he looked at me in my face straight, you know, dead face in my face and just, no, I didn't go with her. I mean, just, it was unbelievable. And, and, and how your listeners might get from this is that even though that you feel they're telling, because, because we're so trusting of others. And a lot of the people that have been on your podcast, I know are empaths and I consider myself an empath because I can be in a room full of 200 people. And I guarantee you, I'm going to stand next to the person who needs me. It happens every time. My friends always make fun of me because no matter what's going on, that person's going to find me in the room and I'm going to end up helping someone, crying with them or being some type of um, helping hand for them. And that's my philosophy. Philosophy really is, is having a helping hand. And so with him, I felt like I was you know, being that helping hand um, for him as well throughout all the situations that he went through. So it's it's just something that I I can't explain. Um, I, I'm it was this fog I was under, and um, I'll tell you that when I like I said I found myself scraping myself off the floor, but I. So coping, when you talk about coping, um, how I coped with all of it, uh, how I uh, got myself back together again, he did, I'll give him this, he did give me the 
appreciation for traveling. So that's exactly what I did. I didn't need him to pay for my travels, uh, flights or hotels. I wanted to make sure that I could prove to myself, um, not that he ever knew that I continued to travel without him, but that I was still able to do this on my own. I did not need him for anything. So how I coped is I went on um, trips by myself. I went chasing sunsets was one of my trips, I, which was back to San Diego because that was, a, I remember, a trip that was just memorable with him. And I wanted to just close that chapter and make new memories in San Diego. So I went chasing sunsets. Um, I took another trip to Georgia and I went um, chasing waterfalls. I did that. Um, and, you know, hiking, I just writing. I love to write. I write short stories as well as poetry, which um, that's, those were my outlets. So um, it took me a while to start feeling myself again. Sadly, when I thought I was good, 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 solid, I rebuilt myself back up, you know, like the Lego pieces, you put one Lego piece on top of the other, and eventually you end up forming something back uh, together, um, a piece of art of some sort. Um, That's how I saw myself is putting myself back together, like in Lego pieces. And I felt like, okay, I finally put that you know, the hat on top of the head, uh, the little heads that you put on top of the Legos. I finally felt like I had put my cap on, like I was done with, with the art piece. And of course I was led into another narcissistic relationship that was devaluing and all those other things. So, um, so when we discuss that for just a one second before we end the show, you know, you found yourself back into another relationship which was not great. And this one was more of an, um, a narcissist that we normally hear about on the show. So now that you're out of that one, because eventually I think we might do a recording of just that relationship for the Patreon. Oh my gosh. Um, but now that you're out of that one, you know, I know that's fresh. Yes. That one. So what does it mean now, you know, before I guess you were doing coping skills? Yes. Yes. So, and you were, you were coping. It's not necessarily, you didn't do the work per se, you know, coping is not doing the work. So now that you're kind of in this spot where, okay, this has happened again. Um, and now you have to do the work. Uh, are you, are kind of nervous to kind of delve far into how far it goes for you? Or do you think you've kind of started to slowly, well, you know, maybe preparing to be on the show, um, to understand where, where you came from and, and, and why you'd make the decisions that you made and, 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 and why those exploitations or those manipulation tactics worked against you? Yes. Truly, your podcast was a godsend. When I clicked on my Spotify and I clicked the search button and I clicked narcissist on the search button and you came up at the top and I clicked on your podcast and I saw all the recordings and I remember just um, uh, swiping down and, and seeing all these stories and, oh my God, episode 20, episode 30, episode 50. And, and I'm like, I don't know if that's how you have them labeled, but you know what I'm saying? Pretty much with me scrolling to see which one I wanted to listen to. I was like, 
oh my God, this is a real thing. Like I'm not alone here. And I'll tell you with the stories that I've heard, the women, the brave women that have told their stories on here. I thank you because, because of their definition of uh, the things that they've uh, experienced or that they've been able to articulate. I don't find myself as being very articulate. Maybe I do more so with my writing and my poetry. Uh, but as far as conversation, I find myself having difficulties with my articulation. But these women, oh my gosh, I have heard this. Uh, some women have just impacted me so much. And because of those stories, I have begun to like, oh my God, identify. Yes, this happened to me. That's what this is. This is what love bombing is. This is what um, fog means. This is what all the terminology that you use. Um, you don't understand what you're doing, Chad, for a lot of us. And I think it's these revelations that are making me delve deep and being able to at least um, identify them and know what, what these things are. Like, I was lost. I was like, what, what just happened to me? And like I sent you in my email when I originally reached out was like, I, I just, I think I just realized what just happened. And this is just coming out of this relationship here, the, the most recent one. I was like, oh my God. And then, so then all of it pieced together to, for me. From my, pre my, my my relationship with Sal to my relationship with Jag. I'm going to call him Jag. Uh, for my relationship with Jag. Oh my gosh, this is exactly what's happened. And you've been, throughout the podcast, I've been able to identify why this is, why I attract these type of people. Because this is how I've, was, I've been raised my whole life around this behavior. So that's my normal. This is what my normal is. And so, therefore, this is why I'm forgiving. And, um, you know, uh, so, yes, the, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. I've been coping. Now, do I need to do the work? Absolutely, I need to do the work. But I just don't know how to begin to do the work. And I heard just, um, oh, gosh, there's, I, I, I probably listened to four or five today of your episodes at work. Um, but there was one young lady. Um, oh, I can't think of the name. But, um she was amazing with her storytelling and she talks about doing the work and I'm like, okay, I need to be taught how to do the work. Cause I don't know how to do the work. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I obviously need to, to some type of counseling to learn how to, to do the work. The good thing is that at least at this point I've identified that I attract narcissistic men. How do I need to now repel them? is what I need to know. That's a whole other episode, but we'll get there. We'll do an episode. We'll I want to do an episode that's called like uh, how to do the work. Uh, yes. I just have to find the right person to bring on. So uh, yes. before we leave, do you have any words of wisdom or advice for everyone who's listening? Yes. So I read this meme um, the other day and um, a couple of them that just, I thought I could share with people. And it just said, um, be brave enough to say this is not what I want is one, because that's our worst fear, right? Is you have to be brave to say that. And then also the other thing um, that this one I kind of save and I have to reread and reread. And it just says, I hope you find love, but more importantly, I hope you're strong enough 
to walk away from what love isn't. So even though you feel it's love, but you know, because in our warped minds, because of how we've been conditioned to be, because this is maybe what I feel love has been, it's it's not okay. This is not the kind of love that that I want. So I am very proud of myself because I have walked away from two relationships and finally stood up for myself. And um, so for everyone out there listening who can um, uh, hear me and um, just um, love yourself first is all I can say. Well, Alma, you know, you have gone through a bunch of these relationships and you're relived it and you're out and you should be proud of yourself that you're out and you should be proud of yourself that you want to do the work and that you know that you don't want this to happen again and that you're aware of everything. And it takes a lot, you know, it takes to get to that point. Some people never get to the point of being aware of what's actually going on and you've already started. And that's something to be very proud of. And And you should be proud, Chad, because because of this podcast, you made me more aware and you should be proud because I can imagine you on this end of your uh, microphone or your earphones listening to these stories over and over and over. I know how that must weigh, weigh heavy on you, but the fact that you're diligent and that you want to help others is you're self-sacrificing um, for so many people because you're listening to these stories and I know it has to do something. I know it has uh, to do something to you after listening to these stories and to hearing us cry and, 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 and all those, I know it has to do something to you, but you continue to do this. And so just know that it stems from you. Well, thank you. And it means a lot. And, um, you know, we're, we're in this together We're you know, I like to call us an army. Um, and you know, we are here to share your stories and help other people. And, uh, there was an old, uh, not old documentary, but I'm going to say in the last 10 years where the person in it said, uh, your, uh, experience is only worth something if you share it with other people Absolutely. and, and I, were, I, I took that to heart. Um, and you know, that's the most amazing thing about, uh, the show and people like you who come on our show is that your experience and sharing it is healing for you. But the most important thing is that, you know, for, you know, the thousands of people that are, that are listening, that it helps uh, heal them too, to know that they're not alone, uh, to know that someone's gone through the same thing. And, you know, it's also a learning experience and, you know, we're, I like to think of everyone as we're all addicts and we have to do the work every day and you can't yes. let up. And, um, you know, you're going to be living proof of that. And one day we're going to talk again and we're going to find out amazing things of, of what's gone on in your life. So, you know, I just want to yeah. thank you for, for being here and sharing and, you know, being part of it. And I know you're going to help a lot of people. So thank you. Thank you. 
and for everyone else who is listening from Alma and me, I hope, we hope you have a good night.